Our defense, it's broken. Not really, but we're going to talk about how we can kind of fix it and maximize it for the rest of the season on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cashback on your first purchase of $10 or more before getting into today's content just say you like subscribe comment review um leave a review on apple Podcasts if you want to i know that you know I, I got one horrible review that was like ah he's such a homer even though he picked tennessee to win the game by 10 points um don't know what to tell you there but we're talking about fixing the florida gators defense here because it was it was bad against tennessee and there's been these lapses that we've seen kind of often you talk about the Kentucky game, there was the Will Levis deep touchdown uh, against cover three. Jalen Kimber was the corner. Trey Dean came down on the over route, and it was the touchdown deep over deep uh, over the middle of the field. You could talk about this past Saturday. There were multiple communication issues or busted coverages, whatever you want to call them. And also, by the way, against the run, there were also some pretty horrible plays by this defense. Like that Hendon Hooker long run was just atrocious to see. But I think the biggest issue for the Florida Gators has been the communication. That has to be a focal point because not only does it seem like they're not communicating enough, at certain points it doesn't even look like they're communicating. Like We could talk about the clip where I think it was the first big play the Tennessee had throwing the ball. It's... Trey Dean and I think Devin Moore on that side of the field. And when Tennessee goes in motion, Trey Dean shifts his hand out as if to say, you know, we're, we're shifting the coverage or whatever you're doing. But I mean, you, you can't see him speak when he says it. Obviously we can't hear him speak, but Devin Moore is in front of him. So if he's just pushing his hand out, that, that's not going to be helpful. And you could break down as many plays as you want. We could break down that play. We could break down, uh, the other play where everyone's like, oh, like it, it was Trey Dean here. We don't know. Honestly, there was one where Trey Dean's catching the blame. I think it was Avery Helm who was supposed to be in that area, but he wasn't. But again, no matter how educated or uneducated your guesses are, all you're doing is making an assumption and then casting blame onto people. It's clear and obvious that the Florida Gators do not communicate enough on defense. Most of these big plays the Florida Gators defense has given up this year. It's not even up, you know, uh, corner one got, got toasted, corner two got toasted. It's almost always someone was supposed to pick that guy up and they just didn't. It's very, very rarely been the Florida Gators are getting just beat on, you know, corner routes, post or whatever it is. It's very rare that they're just getting beat with linebackers on tight ends. Yeah, that happens a lot. But a lot of these big plays have just been 
someone was supposed to go in that zone and they didn't, or someone was supposed to be on that man and they didn't pick him up because this defense is not communicating as to who needs to pick up which player when a team goes in motion, when, when even when there's not in motion, when they're just stacked up on each other, stuff like that. And it seems so simple to say, but that's what so many of the big plays have gone. That's, that's how so many of the big plays have happened. Just not communicating. And this is a team with way too many veterans to be doing something as simple and stupid as not communicating, being the issue that's killing them right now. That's completely unacceptable. This coaching staff has to get them on the same page. I'm not blaming a single player. I'm not blaming anybody specifically. But this coaching staff needs to get these players on the same page and get them communicating or else Florida is going to be in for a rough rest of the season. Another thing, the Florida Gators need to start winning their one-on-ones in the trenches. Um, I talked about it a little bit yesterday. The Gators have to do a better job winning those one-on-ones. Yes, yesterday I was talking about, I believe it was specifically Amari Bernie against uh, Tennessee running back Small, where you know Amari Bernie came in and got blocked by this running back, who, by the way, consistently, the Tennessee running backs have been awful in pass protection. Not just against Florida, throughout the remainder of the season, they've been awful in pass protection. And uh, I'm sorry for whoever brought up this point. I forgot the name, but uh, they mentioned, you know, Florida doesn't really have a lot of big linebackers. It's not like we have these tank dudes running through the backfield into into these running backs as pass brushers. That doesn't matter. Because you're looking at momentum as well. Because you've got a linebacker who's lining up, we'll say conservatively, three yards off the line of scrimmage. They're sprinting in at a running back who his only movement has been sidestep to the left. That's it. That's all he's done. He's sidestep to the left and he's just waiting for you to run into him. And the Gators linebackers are like slowing down. Run through him. It's a simple, you, you have a, a small running back and a running back who's just got no technique and is very passive in pass protection. And these linebackers are not just bull rushing them. Look, that's like, I know that a lot of people are like, oh, well, pass protection, you're back and down. Pass protection ain't passive. It's as simple as that. You've got to be active. And these running backs aren't active. And the Florida Gators linebackers are not making them pay. Patrick Tony has done a fantastic job, and Sean Spencer. I'm not sure really who dials up the defensive line movement, but they've both done a fantastic job at creating, uh, cre- creating these one-on-ones with scheme. You know, the, the creepers that we see where you're overloading one side and the running back has to pick up the, where the pressure's coming from because the left guard can't come across the formation to do it. So the running backs come across, and you've got these one-on-one with the linebackers, but the Florida Gators linebackers are not winning those battles. Congrats, you're getting a pressure because you got close to the quarterback, but they're not winning the battles up front. You have to win those one-on-ones, especially in the backfield. Outside of that, outside of just running backs, defensive linemen need to win their battles. I I, I love him, but I'll call him out here. Prince Liam and Mialine, other D linemen again, but he's the one that I'm talking about because he's you know the starter. So Prince Liam and Mialine has to win these one-on-ones. He hasn't been nearly as active as he should be with his hands. Linemen engage with him. It happened a lot against Tennessee. It was Gerald Mincy, too, where linemen would engage with him, and he just would not be able to get off their blocks. He wouldn't even get creative 
with doing it. He was just, you know, throwing his hands around. He's not doing any moves. He's not rip, swim, club, whatever you want to call it, not spin, nothing. He's just running into these offensive linemen and letting them block him. You have to be active with your hands. Active feet, active hands, you will get pressure. And just the Florida Gators linemen, also, again, I'm not just saying Prince Liam and Meline, has not been able to do it. Now, Jervon Dexter has not won enough of the one-on-ones when he rarely gets the one-on-ones. We know that he's been doubled or tripled often, but you have to win. You have to win. You have to be aggressive at the point of attack. The pressures should not be coming from off-ball linebackers on their blitzes because they're not blitzing often. Yeah, okay, he, he's Ventron Miller is getting pressure on, I don't, I don't know the number, but 75% of his pass rush attempts, but he's rushed 10 times. Like, no, there, there were 70-something plays on Saturday alone. The Florida Gators have to win these one-on-ones in the trenches, and they haven't been doing that. And also another thing that fixes defense, patience. There's a ton of youth on this Gators defense, uh, especially depth-wise. You have to let them develop and let them win. We knew this year would be rough, Gators fans. I know we all got caught up in the Billy's great recruiting's working out, all this fun stuff. We knew this year would be rough. You got to sit through it, and you got to just hope that what you do see is very positive. We're about to take a look at the offensive tape from Saturday. But first, a quick word from Upside, because if you're going from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, um, wow, the inflation is hitting everybody where it hurts and it does hurt right in that wallet uh that's why i started using upside upside's an incredible app for anyone who buys gas groceries dines out more often than they should over here with every purchase i earn cash back thanks to upside to get started download the free upside app use our promo code locked and get five dollars or more cash back with your first purchase of ten dollars or more. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That is $5 or more cash back on a first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And now it's Tape Tuesday time. We're going to take a look at this with starting on the offense like we usually do. I'm just going to hit play while I kind of set the scene for you. Uh, This is Anthony Richardson's big completion to Ricky Pearsall. This was beautiful. Um, You know, I I spoke about having more plays with Anthony Richardson in the backfield, not turning his back on anybody. He did not do that here. He didn't turn his back with Trevor Etienne, uh, who I forgot to set up and play, but I'll just do this real quick because I know what he does. And there we go. So he runs that little play action real quick after the motion so there's a lot going on in the backfield you've got trevor Etienne as a check down option here and anthony richardson expect to see more of this you know kind of shotgun he's not really that deep but he's making the right play where he's sitting back there getting to read without completely turning his defense his back to a defense uh xavier henderson goes in motion here as you can see the corner over him moves to the deep responsibility, and that deep safety comes down and covers Xavier Henderson, so they just switch. This is cover one for the Tennessee Volunteers, um, and they didn't do a good job at it. I'll say that. But the Florida Gators' protection is great. It's six-man protection against a five-man rush. Keon Zipper stays in to pass protect, and that, that kind of helps set the stage for this play to happen. You've got 
Ricky Pearsall here on this left side running a sluggo route, which is, you know, you're kind of taking three steps, slanting, and then cutting back out and going deep. He kind of ran a sluggo. Uh, Justin Shorter, I want to say that's a post corner just because he runs his considerably deeper, uh, we'll say. So I, I think that, you know, the sluggo, whether you want to call it both sluggos, both post corners, you know, that's just semantics at that point. But they're both open on this play. Like, they are both pretty wide open. This is exactly what we've been hoping to see from this Florida Gators offense. More deep shots, more plays where you kind of let things develop. I get it. We all hate Xavier Henderson going into the flat. I do think that really helped open this up here because one, you've got a guy playing the deep safety who does not usually play the deep safety, which worked out for the Florida Gators because he wasn't there. He didn't read that both corners got beat against Ricky Pearsall and Justin Shorter. You're taking the usual deep safety and you're kind of leaving him in the flat. You're giving uh, Anthony Richardson a check down option, which he could use. He didn't. But if they're sitting in zone, let's say that's cover three. If they're in cover three, then that might be wide open because you've got someone taking care of that deep responsibility. So if they're in cover three, you've got that addressed, which fantastic decision there. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Trevor Etienne, like I said, is a check down on the right side. I think when you're watching this play, You'll see, and if you watch the actual film repeatedly or even just one time, you'll see that Justin Shorter could have had a touchdown because he he completely took his dude out as cleats. Um, I think Justin Shorter would have had a touchdown, but at the same time, uh, by the time he even destroys his man in coverage, that ball's getting thrown. Um, so, I, And I'm bringing that up because I've seen people talk about it. Uh, yes, Justin Shorter probably had a touchdown, but again, ball was already getting thrown. Like if you watch the replay, you'll see Justin Shorter is losing his man, and Anthony Richardson's already like that. Like that ball's already on its way out. So yeah, could have had a touchdown, but um, guess what? There was there was already a ball being thrown. Uh, also, that deep safety did a horrible job, by the way. The ball was getting thrown. He didn't even try running to Ricky Pearsall. He was still covering Justin Shorter, who's running deep. When, again, the ball is already thrown. This is a fantastic execution by the Florida Gators. Expect to see more of it from them. Um, and I, I think we will see more, especially, you know, against Eastern Washington, maybe try to get into more of a rhythm, assuming that game does happen. Uh, but against Eastern Washington, try to get into more of a rhythm, throwing the ball, specifically working deep passes. And as you get further into SEC play, kind of maybe have a, a bit of a consistent passing attack that you've got going on that you haven't had for the entirety of this season beforehand. The second play that we're going to look at is, I want to say my favorite play from the entire game from this Florida Gators offense on Saturday against the Tennessee Volunteers. It's the fourth and two pass to Justin Shorter. Uh, so fourth and two, Gators come out in the even two-by-two two formation. They're lined up on the left hash here, which they tend to be on the hashes. The Tennessee Volunteers, they're showing blitz, which is very characteristic of them. That's something they do all the time. We talked about that when we were preparing for this game. And like most teams would do, the Tennessee Volunteers are in man coverage here. On, on fourth down, it's a very common thing. Those money downs, third and fourth down, you tend to see man coverage. That's what you're seeing here. However, that is also why I love what the Florida Gators do. Because even if you're in cover three, this still works for the Florida Gators. If you're in quarters, it still works for the Florida Gators. If you're cover one, still works for the Florida Gators. If you're cover two, 
maybe doesn't work as well for the Florida Gators, but if you're in cover two, then you've got Xavier Henderson here running that little skinny post over the middle of the field. Uh, that would have been open. But also, I want to talk about this for a second. I know it, it had nothing to do with the play, but the refs missed such a bad hold here because Xavier Henderson was literally being held the entire time that he was running his uh, his, his skinny post. He was getting held the entire time. With the defense in man coverage here, you want to see those one-on-ones out on the outside, especially in this fourth and two scenario. If you see that man-to-man, there's a good chance that you're going to throw that ball deep, which is what the Florida Gators did, obviously. But you've got that man-to-man. You've got one-on-ones on the outside, one-on-ones on the inside. Florida Gators have Justin Shorter, far right, and on the close left side, you've got Keon Zipper, the tight end there. So he's running straight on both sides. Justin Shorter is running a go route. Keon Zipper is running a go route. And they're essentially just saying, hey, we think that we can win our one-on-ones. We've got these big receivers who can make contested catches and make plays. And they can get out there and they can get vertical against these Vols DBs. And you put your faith in them. And that's what Anthony Richardson has done consistently with Justin Shorter. He has consistently put his faith in Justin Shorter throwing the deep ball, throwing contested catches. And Justin Shorter makes those plays consistently. Uh, I'm fairly certain that the Tennessee Volunteers had either one spy and one man in a hook zone or two men in hook zones or two men in spies uh, to watch the underneath from the Florida Gators, because again, you're looking at fourth and two, you've got multiple players running deep, you've got three of your four receivers there running deep, um, and it, it kind of just, well, three of your five receivers, I guess, if you count uh, Naquan Wright, who I'm pretty sure was on a block and release, saw that there was no one there, so he started running his route, um, but yeah, you've got three of your receivers running deep, so if you're all in man and you've got your back turned, Anthony Richardson escapes, that's a big play, so they got spy, hook zone, whatever it is, Great play call by both sides, by the way. I, I love fourth and two. I've said this for a very long time. I love fourth and short deep plays because the defense is probably in man. And if you think you can win those one-on-ones, then you go out there and you try to win that one-on-one. So I love fourth and two deep plays. And there's very rarely any help over the top. Uh, so I love that. I love that the Vols were kind of showing pressure and drop back a little bit. Didn't really bring a blitz there. Uh, they did try to overload that right side, but it was just not effective at all. Uh, so so they showed that pressure. I love keeping the men underneath there and kind of watching Anthony Richardson, keeping him from running, keeping him from taking a quick check down. It was a great play. Florida just executed that one better. That's all that was. Florida is, with Justin Shorter especially, a solid deep ball team, a solid jump ball team. And that's all that was, was Florida just executing that and doing what they're good at. So I think that when you're watching this and you see Justin Shorter running deep and you're like, okay, like this is going to be, you know, like, like they're taking that shot. They did. The Florida Gators should continue to do that. Uh, if you have man coverage, just be like, hey, Shorter, run deep and, and make a play here. We're about to take a look at the defensive side of the ball. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. To wrap up today's show, we are taking a look at the defensive side of the ball for the Florida Gators here. And the first play that we're looking at, Shamar James' first career sack. This is one of those situations that I spoke about earlier today and that I spoke about last week multiple times while previewing this game for the Florida Gators versus the Tennessee Volunteers. 
the Vols offense, they like to run six or seven man protections. They keep running backs in the backfield frequently to pass protect. They keep tight ends in the backfield frequently to pass protect or in line to pass protect. But they like to keep those six to seven man protections. It allows Hendon Hooker time to make his reads, time to sit back and make those reads because you know, you have to when you're a pass-heavy offense. Uh, it allows your receivers freedom to kind of open up. And if they blitz, if the defense blitzes, and Hendon Hooker has that protection, he can probably scramble, make an extra play, and kind of make it backyard basket, backyard football here. Um, here, it's essentially a seven-on-seven. Seven. But instead of the usual seven-on-seven seven being a quarterback and a bunch of receivers, uh, this seven-on-seven seven is all in the trenches. Um, and that's that's what we're looking at here. The tight end stays in the pass protect, and the running back stays in the pass protect. The Vols have just three deep hitches on the field. Uh, the play was done by the time they got by the time the receiver on the right in the back even finished his hitch, or in the front even finished his hitch. He started coming across. I think the Gators here are in two man. Um, I, th- I think it's two man with under. Okay, sorry. I'm just gonna say this this way. Cover two, man, um, if that helps you. Rashad Torrance and Trey Dean, based on their depth and the way that they have their heads in the backfield, with Jason Marshall Jr., Avery Helm, and Jadarius Perkins on their men as they're running their hitches, which, again, could have been a lot more creative and a lot more fun, but, you know, Josh Heupel just meant hitches, which is common area to approach for it, so that's fine. But it looks to me like Shamar James had tight end responsibility here because again if this is cover two cover two man with or two men under whatever you want to call it uh if this is cover two man then someone's got to have tight end responsibility and someone has to have running back responsibility depending on who the coach is or who the dc is or whatever it might be depending on the situation um you might tell your linebacker drop back in the coverage or if there's someone pass protecting or you might tell your linebacker if they're pass protecting blitz and get in the backfield that's what happens. Shamar James has tight end responsibility here, I believe. Amari Bernie has running back responsibility here, I believe, just based on where people are lined up and running those man coverages. So with both the tight end and the running back staying into pass block, Shamar James and Amari Bernie both came in as pass rushers at that point. Shamar James ran in completely untouched through the backfield. Uh, offensive line was kind of occupied with Jervon Dexter and Desmond Watson there. Uh, Desmond Watson was the one that took up two really kind of three blockers with the tight end coming in to help. The running back stepped up and was kind of waiting for Amari Bernie once he saw that gun come in. So Jamar James got a completely free run, wrapped up Hendon Hooker, made the stop, his first career sack, great play design. This is one of the situations where who knows if they get that sack if the running back makes the right read. But I'll, I'll take a win where I can take a win uh, at any time, really. Again, this is one of those situations where Florida would have had to win the one-on-one, but instead they did that great job of scheming up pressures that kind of not only create one-on-ones, but could create free runners. And speaking of creating free runners, we're going to take a look at the last play of the game, which, which hurt my heart. But uh, again, it's, it's the last play of the game here that we're talking about. This is also a first half play. Hendon Hooker on third and 10, backed up on his own, backed up in his own end zone on the last uh, drive of the first half of the Tennessee Volunteers. I didn't plan on talking about this play, but uh, Jim Nagy, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl, he tweeted the video of this talking about how good Hendon Hooker was. Gators fans, of course, saw 
uh, trading in the frame and immediately they were like, okay, trading messed up. And then it started this whole conversation of who messed up, who's to blame. And I will stick with my usual point. If there's a communication issue, it's usually multiple people to blame, but we'll break it down. And honestly, there are a few players here who I have no idea what the heck was going through their minds at certain points of this play. We'll start off with saying this, uh, Vols have trips on the left. They've got one wide receiver out wide. They've got a running back who's in to pass protect again. And oh my goodness, the running back in for pass protection sucks at it. You would have never thought a Tennessee running back sucks in pass protection, but here they are. And I realize I'm harping on sucking at pass protection for Tennessee running backs, but it's true, especially when you have a defense who wants to scheme these one-on-ones with the running back. It's important to talk about if running backs are good in pass protection. Gators look like they're in three buzz, which three buzz means that one of the safety, it's cover three with one of the safeties coming down into that hook zone over the middle. Trading is that safety in this case. Um, Brent Cox Jr. comes in untouched, lined up over the A-gap, which is not something that we saw him do frequently this season prior to this game. Lined up, he initially was off-ball, then came in and uh, kind of crept up in between the uh, defensive line. He comes in untouched through the A-gap. So Brenton Cox, untouched through the A-gap. You think, okay, that's an easy sack. Uh, he took a horrible angle to Hendon Hooker. He just went to Hendon Hooker's right shoulder, kind of, and... Uh, it, it was ugly. He went to Hendon Hooker's right shoulder. He did not get the sack. Hendon Hooker rolled to the left, and that's when he had the completion there. And again, I'll be honest in saying, I don't know who's to blame here in coverage. Um, I, I Trey Dean was lined up, was playing way too far towards that right hash, if you're looking at this screen, the right hash from where we're looking at. So he was playing way too far towards that right hash, considering that there was no one in the area. There was one receiver on that side, and he was running a curl. Maybe he was supposed to wait to see if, it, if that became a dig or an over or whatever it might have been. So maybe that's what he was, that's what his responsibility was. However, Shamar James also was playing coverage, what, almost 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. He was, he was 20 yards back. Uh, there's no reason that he should have been there. If that's anybody's responsibility here, it's Jadarius Perkins, who also kind of confusing because I feel like he's kind of just sitting between these two receivers when he should probably be shifting more towards that one that's running over the seam there. Um, so again, I, I have a hard time saying definitively who's at fault. I think this is just a, a bad play by the Florida Gators uh, defense. Also, play call-wise, fine. I mean, just... In terms of in coverage, I think this was a terrible play for the Florida Gators. Uh, again, coverage-wise, I don't think Shamar James is supposed to be playing as deep as he should have been. But again, this is one of those situations where I don't know how he's coached up. Like I brought up earlier, that Kentucky touchdown, where I spoke to people in the program. Trading was supposed to be coming up on that over route because tight ends were killing them. So he was taught, come up on the over route and stop it. So... That was his responsibility there. Here, I don't know what his responsibility was. I don't know if they're telling Shamar James, hey, watch the seam, watch the deep ball. It's more important here. But again, Shamar James, I don't think should have been playing as deep as he was. And Trey Dean, I don't know why he was playing so tight to the outside of the right hash. That's the bigger issue for me. That he lines up on the outside, or not that he lines up, but that he comes up to the outside of the right hash. Uh, and then he's not in range to make a play. When there's no one near him, he could have at least waded over a little bit into the middle. But also, 
I, if I realize that a lot of people are complaining about who's to blame in coverage. The coverage doesn't matter if Brenton Cox Jr., who comes in completely untouched, doesn't mess up his first rush attempt or his first sack attempt on Hendon Hooker by taking a poor angle and just attacking poorly. So yes, coverage, someone screwed up. It was either Trey Dean or Shamar James. Obviously, we're more likely to blame Trey Dean. He's, he's the senior. Shamar James is a true freshman. Uh, Trey Dean should know better than that. Shamar James, I, I realize I don't, I don't know what his assignment necessarily was that he was playing so far back, but I'm pretty sure he's just supposed to be in a hook zone here. Um, but again, none of that matters if Brenton Cox Jr. makes the right play in the backfield here when he has Hendon Hooker dead to rights. I like the play call. I generated instant pressure. And even if Tennessee did block Brenton Cox Jr., that would have likely just caused a one-on-one between Jervon Dexter and someone on this offensive line. So you've got, if they pick up Brenton Cox Jr., you've got Jervon Dexter in a one-on-one and Brenton Cox Jr. in a one-on-one. I like our odds nine times out of 10 on those. So I like it. I like the play call. The play call for the Florida Gators defense, it, it's there. The play calling, the scheme is there. Execution has just been, I mean, nothing short of god-awful for this Florida Gators defense. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more about your Florida Gators. And tomorrow, Hayden Hansen joins the show as always. Make sure to check out Locked on SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, the University of Florida. For Locked on Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Line Sports and Giants Country of SI.com, and I'll see you all tomorrow.